Hello, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to the Power Podcast and welcome to our second season and this year's theme of Power Perspective. This is episode 52, What If You Are the Problem? Woo, that is some energizing rhythm to get us going. I am liking the new intro beat. Hi friends, how are you? How is your new year going? Before diving into today's topic, I want to give a couple of follow-ups from past episodes. So last week, episode 51, the first episode of the new Power Perspective series was all about perspective. It's fascinating to me how I'll do a podcast topic and then I'll have the perfect opportunity arise in my life to see if I can practice the things that I'm actually teaching on the podcast. So last week's episode 51 was about perspective, introducing the theme for the 2020 season, power perspective. So yesterday I was working on completing the revisions on a section of my manuscript to get turned into my editor. And actually I wasn't just working on it yesterday, I've been working on it all over the holiday break. And of course I wanted to have it to her a week ago. So I was feeling behind and that it was taking me longer than I expected. And I thought I could have it done yesterday morning. And then by dinner time, everyone was home and ready for dinner. And I was still trying to finalize the last couple of things and get it sent to her. And so I was feeling like I was slow, that I'm behind, that I'm not doing good enough, that things aren't going well. My husband came in, he had been helping the family to move into our neighborhood and he came back and dinner still wasn't set out on the table and I'm feeling dumpy about it. And he opens the refrigerator and he takes out some sparkling cider that we'd gotten for Christmas and poured it in glasses, set dinner out on the table and led everyone in a congratulatory toast. Congratulations, you finished your section and got it to your editor. He turned it into a celebration. His perspective changed my perspective and I started thinking about it differently. And I thought, One day after my college kids went back to school, done with the Christmas break, I have my revision submitted to my editor, which means that I've worked really hard over this section all during the holidays when my family was all home. That's amazing. And I started thinking, I cut 18,000 words out of that section and I didn't cut story out. I consolidated, I used better words, I got rid of extra words, I made the story flow better and I started feeling proud about that. And so today, instead of going into the next section of revisions, feeling down and slow and inadequate, I feel empowered and all because my husband changed my perspective with a celebratory congratulations and a toast of sparkling cider. The power of perspective. I love it. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back. Episode 51, perspective makes all the difference. The second follow-up is, how is your word for the year? What is your word for the year? Have you chosen your word? Are you still mulling it over? If you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can go back to episode 50, which talks about choosing a word for the year rather than, or in addition to making New Year's resolutions. I might suggest just going ahead and picking one. There is not one right 
word for you. It is more important to choose a word and see what happens than to stew over choosing the best word or the right word. Pick a word and see what comes into your life. It feels like magic. My word for 2020 is listen. My phrase is pause and listen. I'm learning to stop and to be conscientious and deliberate in what I hear and how I respond. Now, other than that, other than choosing that word and kind of filling out that that's the intention that I have, I haven't really done anything with my word. In fact, I kind of forgot about it until one day over the Christmas break, my son said, mom, I noticed you listening today. And I said, what? He said, in the car, you turned off the radio and listened to me. Cool. Now don't tell him this, but it wasn't even a fully conscious decision. I wasn't aware I had done that. I think it's so nifty how the subconscious part of our brain is so powerful. And when we give it something to think about, it will go to work solving for it. When we don't give it something to think about, it will find things to stay busy on its own. And those things will be negative because our subconscious naturally has a negative bias. So choose a word and then just sit back and kind of watch with amazement and awe at what comes into your life to give you opportunities to develop the word and learn about the word. Last night, I learned the coolest and most unexpected thing about listening. Out of the blue, my husband mentioned this program that he'd heard about that was interesting and my brain was done editing and so we sat down and turned on the TV and he turned it to this program. And it was one that I would have never chosen, never known about, never would have selected to listen to on my own. And it turned out to be all about listening. How cool is that? The power of choosing a word. On that note, let's dive into today's topic, which is what if you are the problem? Does that sound a little in your face. The purpose of today's podcast is not to point fingers or place blame or make anyone feel guilty. The purpose of today's podcast episode is to open our eyes to the possibility that the problems in our life that we think are caused by other people might be a result of our own thoughts and actions. You know, those people who irritate you and mess things up, like they mess up your clean house and they're stopping you from being able to be happy. Today, I'm posing the question, what if the problem isn't them? What if the problem is you? And you know what the good news about that is? If the problem is you, then you are 100% able to fix it. And that is really good news. We need to start today with the story of Ignaz Zemmelweis, who was a Hungarian obstetrician in the 1840s. And I'll need to ask my niece if I'm saying his name correctly, Zemmelweis, because she speaks Hungarian. How many people do you know who speak Hungarian? My niece speaks Hungarian. So he was born in 1818 near Budapest, and he went to school to study law at the University of Vienna, and then he decided to change to medicine, and he earned a doctorate in medicine and decided to specialize in obstetrics. 
and his first position was in a maternity ward at Vienna General Hospital. Working in this maternity ward, it didn't take Zimmelweis very long to discover that they had a problem. In his first month, 36 out of 208 women who delivered babies in their maternity ward died. That's a 17% fatality rate. He asked the more experienced staff in the ward why the women were dying, and their explanation was that there was a poisonous gas that had gotten into the ward and that it caused death in some women, that some women were more sensitive to it than other women were. So at Vienna General Hospital, there was Maternity Ward 1 and Maternity Ward 2 who offered labor and delivery services for free. So many of the poorer class of women came to have their babies there. But Maternity Ward 1 had such a horrible reputation, it was known as a death trap, that the women preferred to have their baby in the street than get assigned to maternity ward number one. And the street had a better survival rate than the maternity ward. Zimmelweis discovered that in the year 1846, 451 women had died in maternity ward number one after giving birth. But in maternity ward number two, only 90 women had died. And these were neighboring maternity wards close together, connected by the same corridor. And Semmelweis could not accept that somehow this poisonous gas was only in ward number one and didn't, you know, get passed through the air to ward number two. And he thought there had to be a different cause for this problem. Ward number one was staffed by doctors and trainee doctors who conducted autopsies in the morning and then in the afternoon went and delivered women without washing their hands in between. Ward number two was staffed by midwives who did not do autopsies and who did not walk back and forth between the post-mortem room visiting the cadavers and then taking care of their newly delivered mothers. And this is what he discovered, that he and the other doctors who worked in ward number one were bringing germs from the cadavers they were studying in the morning and contaminating the women who they delivered in the afternoon. Zimmelweis believed this had to be the issue, that he himself and the other doctors were infecting their own patients. So he began washing his hands in chlorinated lime and asking the other doctors to wash their hands in chlorinated lime before visiting a patient and he had the maternity ward cleaned with calcium chloride. After that, the mortality rate in ward number one dropped. And after only two years, there were no more deaths in maternity ward one from what had been called child fever or puperal fever. So Zimmelweis was declared a hero and all the doctors lauded his genius, right? Nope, the senior medical figures actually opposed his research and his findings and fired him. He left Vienna and went back to Budapest. The ward number one doctors went back to their old ways and fatality rates immediately returned to their pre-Zemmelweis rate. So there are three takeaways from this podcast message today. And the first is an invitation to look inward. When faced with a situation, ask, how could I possibly be contributing to this problem? 
What germs are you carrying from your cadaver research into the highly susceptible postpartum mothers and infants in your life? The second takeaway is, what simple change am I resisting? Almost always, the solutions to what we think are the big issues of our life are simple, yet we resist making these simple changes. Do you wash your hands? Yes. Why do you wash your hands? Because we all know now about germs and that hand washing is a simple way to prevent the spread of germs. We know this now. As a society, we do this. 150 years ago, People didn't wash their hands. Hand washing was not a thing. And when it was introduced, there was so much resistance. And today we look back and think, just wash your hands, people. It's common sense. Yet there was so much resistance to changing a simple habit as washing hands. We do this naturally as humans. We resist change. It always makes me think of the story of Moses in the Old Testament and the staff. And if the sick people would just look on the staff, they would be healed. But the majority of them refused to look on the staff. It was simple. What simple change am I resisting? What if what bothers you about someone else is really what is bothering you about yourself? People are mirrors. Our relationships are mirrors into ourself. If you wish your spouse would be more attentive, maybe it's that you realize that you could be more attentive. If you wish your sisters would call or text more often and let you know what they're up to, maybe that's saying that you could call or text more often. It's fascinating. Think of something that bugs you about someone else and then ask if that annoyance could really be about you. Carl Jung, the founder of analytical psychology, said, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. And he was Swiss. He wasn't trying to create waves, people. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. These exercises are not for the faint-hearted. Both looking inward to examine how you might possibly be contributing to the problem and asking yourself what simple changes are you resisting, both of these require bold humility. The third takeaway today is that you are always the center of your circle of influence. If you think about a rock dropped in a lake and the ripple effect that goes outward, it is impossible to create that ripple effect from the outside in. It is impossible to create the most outward ripple first that then goes in and in and in. The only way to create a ripple is from the center. Stephen Covey teaches the principle of the circle of influence. With you at the center, and then your family, your spouse, your children, your siblings closest around you, then out to friends, your neighborhood, your community, and further and further. And any influence that you have begins with yourself. If you want to change something in your life, I promise begin by changing something in yourself for the positive and you will see that ripple effect grow. And here's my example. 
we had a period of years in our lives where we changed jobs a lot. We moved from Arizona to start with a new company and very shortly that company went completely under taking our life savings with it. And from that point on, it seemed that every company that my husband started with, something almost apocalyptic would happen and the company would go down or something would happen and my husband would leave. And every year he had a new job and a new company and a new situation. And the reality really sunk into me one day when I was having a phone conversation with my sister. And she said, now, are you talking about his new job or about his old new job? And there was a period of time where I was busy with the kids and it got hard for me to keep up with where he was working and what he was doing. And I would forget which office he was going to. Was he commuting north or south? Was it this office or this office? And exactly what was his job title and what did he do during the day? I couldn't say exactly. And it became a joke in my family that he must work for the CIA because no one can say exactly what he does. But as you can imagine, it was unsettling and scary and it was exhausting for him. And I remember having thoughts come into my mind. Oh my goodness, what if I've married a guy who's never going to hold down a steady job? And I would feel this instinct that I needed to go out and find a steady job, that I needed to rush in and save the problem. But fortunately, during this time, I was learning about the power of our thoughts and the power of perspective. And I chose not to believe that thought that maybe my husband was never going to hold down a steady job. I knew who I had married. I knew the caliber of guy that he was. I knew he was a hard worker and that he wanted the best for our family. And I chose to hold on to those thoughts and chose to believe in him and to assume the best. I think one of the best gifts we can give others is the benefit of the doubt. What did you give so-and-so for Christmas this year? I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I owed it to him. He had done it so many times for me, given me the benefit of the doubt during my postpartum darkness and all of that healing process. In life, we are given opportunities to exercise faith in each other. That's why it's called exercising faith. It is a workout. It takes effort. We hear a lot about having faith in God or faith in a higher power. Sometimes the more difficult faith to have is faith in ourself or faith in other members of our family or faith in our friends. But there was definitely something that wasn't working really well for us with all these job changes and we just struggled to get a footing in our finances. During this period of time, I was still working to heal from postpartum depression and from chronic immune disease. And I was going to classes and learning about my brain and attending conferences and doing a lot of self-work. And in the process, I discovered that I had a very limiting belief about money. I had very limited mindset about money. And so for a year, I chose money to be my word for the year. And it was hard for me to say it. It was hard for me even in my mind to think money without resisting it or having negative feelings about it. And for the entire year, I practiced thinking money and feeling positively about it and inviting money to come into my life and thinking about money as not a curse or a rich man's selfishness, but as a resource and opportunities and experiences. And I practiced that year shifting my mindset about money. 
And at the end of that year, we had a miraculous thing happen. And I'm going to leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger and plug here a 15 minute video that I created about the power of visualization that illustrates this story about the money better than I can tell it on the podcast. If you like the podcast, a video is even awesomer because you get to see the visuals. So long story short, after that year, we had an amazing experience with money and I realized how my limited perspective about money was sending out these vibes that was actually preventing us from being able to bring money into our life and into our family. So when you get thinking that someone else is the cause of why you're not happy and the cause of all of the problems in your life, that is just not true. You always have the power to choose what you think and how you feel and how you react. And I issue an invitation to step boldly into humility and ask, what if you are the problem? Turn the magnifying glass inward first. Open up those eyes in your heart to see what simple changes you might be resisting. And remember that you are always the center of your circle of influence. If there's a problem in your life you want to change, begin with you. And if you want the 15 minute video lesson about the power of visualization that shows the money story, It's free. How you get it is to go into iTunes and leave a review for this podcast. Then email me and let me know that you left a review and I will email you the free video. You need to email me because I probably won't recognize the username that you leave the review under. If it's an obvious username and I have your email, I will go ahead and send you the video. If I don't have your email, if you're not on the current email list, then Get on it. Go to maliawarner.com and subscribe. Every Monday, I send a short inspirational message. And who on a Monday morning doesn't need a burst of inspiration and a quick perspective adjustment? So those two things, leave a podcast review and make sure you are subscribed to the weekly Monday email message. I have a goal this year to get some reviews on this podcast. And when you take the time to do that, it means a lot to me. So thank you very much. This is Malia Warner. Thank you for joining me today. I will meet you back here next week for another great episode of The Power Podcast.